The time has finally come. Get ready to open Upper Deck Series 1 and elevate your trading card collection with young gun rookies like Brock Faber, Luke Hughes, Marco Casper, and Matthew Nyes, just to name a few. Be on the lookout for a new one-of-one -one base set parallel called Outburst Gold. Don't walk, run to your local hobby shop, or get it from UpperDeckStore.com today. Coming up on the Hockey News pregame show, the Oilers are in a tailspin. How do they get out of this? Carolina's got goaltending problems. What's next for the Hurricanes? And Collectibles site editor Michael DeStefano comes into the studio to break open some Upper Deck trading cards. I'm Ryan Kennedy. I'm Michael Trikos, and this is the Hockey News pregame show brought to you by Upper Deck and BetMGM. This is the Hockey News Podcast. What's up, Ryan? Not much. Lots of good hockey talk. Well, let's get right into this. The Edmonton Oilers, oh boy, uh, a team that I had picked, I think many of us picked as a Stanley Cup favorite. They may or may not still be in that category, but the way that things have started for them in this month, I don't think it could get any worse. No. I, you know what? The only way it can get worse is that their next game is against the winless San Jose Sharks. So if they lose to the Sharks, that would be worse. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Oilers have too much talent not to beat San Jose. Mm -hmm. Having said that, statistically, they have two of the worst goaltenders in the NHL right now. If you look at goal save above expected, which is kind of the new metric to go by, that's what the kids are into. Um, <laughs> Stuart Skinner is the worst statistical goaltender in the NHL. Jack Campbell is not far behind. So when you can't depend on either of your goaltender, I mean, that's a huge problem. And defensively, they've also been a mess. It's been a big struggle for a number of their blue liners. Evan Bouchard, uh, a player I love, has yep. really struggled early on. And frankly, you know, we were talking about this before. We came on today, Connor McDavid has not been that super dominant player we're used to. I wonder if he's still a little banged up from that Josh Morrissey, yep. call it an entanglement, if any, it wasn't even really a hit, but uh, you know, the injury that kept him out of a couple of games early on the season. Yeah, he rushed back for the Heritage Classic, and I thought he looked great in that uh, game. And yeah. I think we were talking about that Heritage Classic as possibly being one of those, you know, early season turnaround games mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, they beat up on the Calgary Flames, the Flames are going down, or going in one direction, and the Oilers are going in another, and it just hasn't been that way. And you mentioned Skinner and Campbell and the underlying statistics. You know, the eye test tells you that these guys are <laughs> yeah. just not great. Like, yeah. It's been seven games now where they've given up four goals or more. Wow. Um, you can't do that. Like, I know... Even I, with McDavid and Dreisaitl. Yeah, as high-powered an offense goals. as they yeah, have, yeah. you cannot be, you know, relying on them to score five goals a game. And, mm. you know, the goaltendings, I think you got to just live with it. Um, they're not going to be making a change. I don't think anyone's going to be as... Even Carolina needs a goalie. I don't think they're going to be on the market for a Skinner or a Campbell. Right. Um, this is basically the team that they've they've got. So, what comes next for the Oilers? Is it, you know, dare I say, like if they lose against the San Jose Sharks, and eventually the Sharks are going to have to win a game? Yeah. And it very well could be against the Oilers. What does that mean for Jay Woodcroft? 
Man, I, it's tough because he hasn't been coached that long in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. And I don't like when teams cycle through coaches. Right. Right? I, I think having some consistency really helps. And an example I'll give is actually a team that the Oilers are going to be playing a couple of times uh, in the next week or so is the Seattle Kraken. You looked at their first year, very uninspiring under Dave Haxtell. Totally. But year two, they were pretty impressive, and they even beat Colorado in the first round of the playoffs, the defending Stanley Cup champions. Dave Haxtell, historically what we've seen with him, even dating back to his college days with the University of North Dakota, is sometimes it would take some time for his players to understand and and really take hold of his system. And with Seattle, obviously it took a little longer, but the Kraken looked pretty good last year. This year they're kind of whatever. Um, But that would be my fear is Woodcroft didn't get enough runway. Having said that, if you lose to the San Jose Sharks, you probably should be fired. Yeah. And that would definitely be one way of resetting things. I know it looks horrible right now, but technically, like, the season's not over. It just began. So for the Oilers to be 2-7-1, and one, yeah, that's brutal. Yeah. But they, they should still be a playoff team. Like, they could rip off a bunch of wins, and it wouldn't be super surprising. So if it came to just bringing in somebody, and it's kind of funny, probably an old hand, Somebody that, you know, you might want to go with a recycled veteran coach. Sutter? No. <laughs> Vin- Vigno? Maybe? I don't know. Okay, here's the thing with, you mentioned the coaching uh, changes. Connor McDavid's been in the league, I think, nine years now. Um, first coach was Todd McClellan. Then he had Ken Hitchcock. Then he had Dave Tippett. And now he's got Jay Woodcroft. Mm. Four coaches in nine years. That's what I'm saying. It's not ideal. It's not ideal. And I'm with you. You do want some stability. And you finally have stability um, upstairs with the GM. Um, that being said, something's got to give. And you're seeing yeah. the frustration level. And I think the big fear is that the Oilers uh, keep sinking further and further down. And as weak as the Pacific Division is, you really can't afford to you know, lose traction to the Canucks. Mm-hmm. to the Golden Knights, to the Kings. And the Ducks now. <laughs> Even the Ducks. So, yeah, um, U.S. Thanksgiving is generally the barometer. I remember talking with uh, Caleb Kearney, our Oilers site editor, about this. And, um, you know, that's coming up. So we'll, we'll see where the Oilers are right now because Ken Holland is a firm believer in that U.S. Thanksgiving mm-hmm. kind of measurement. So a- another team that I, I think, you know, probably had some concern uh, going into... Um, Monday night's game with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, maybe not as bad of a team as the Oilers have been, but again, a team that you know, we didn't expect them to be, you know, I think heading into last night's game, they're on pace for less than 90 points, which mm-hmm. they hadn't been since the Austin Matthews, um, or so, since the tank year where they got Austin Matthews, right. if you look at it at a full season. Um, what, what did you make of, you know, they beat the Lightning last night, Another huge game from Austin Matthews. Um, but when you look at their scoring, it's basically Matthews, Marner, Matthews, Marner um, for the last, like, I don't know, how many games now? Yeah, I, I think with the Leafs, and uh, I mean, it's not a full time solution, but at least now when they diagnose it, it's like, okay, Joseph Wool's our guy. 
Samsonov is struggling mightily. I talked about goals saved above expected with the Edmonton Oilers goalies. Samsonov's right down there with him, statistically one of the worst goalies in the league. Mm-hmm. Joseph Wool, one of the best goalies in the league. Like the, the best goalies right now, Thatcher Demko, Jeremy Swayman, Semyon Varlamov, Joseph Wool. Wow. Statistically. So if you're the Leafs, you say, okay, well, that's our situation. Uh, Samsonov, I mean, he's got to reset somehow. Uh, but you, for me, it's like you ride Wool as much as you can without burning him out because, you know, you're going to need him for the playoffs. And they do still need to figure out that secondary scoring. It was great that Cal Yarncroc popped two for them last yeah. night, one uh, obviously in overtime. Interesting to see Matthew Nyes playing with Matthews and Marner. That's a really nice combo. Loved it. Yeah. And then obviously yeah. William Nylander has been super hot all year. So you got a little bit of balance. You obviously want more. But, I mean, they kind of had to win that game. And the fact that they did so after being down 4-1, I think bodes really well for them. There's still some question marks with this team, but at least they bought themselves a little time. Yeah. You know, like we're talking about McDavid and it's like the first time and it might be like five years or so that he hasn't been in the top 20 in scoring at some point in the season. Mm. He's not playing at his level. And then you look at Austin Matthews, 13 goals in 12 games now. Basically, you know, if you didn't think he was your Rocket Richard favorite, you do now. Right. Um, Is this as good as we've seen him play lately? I think it's up there. I mean, obviously, he won the Hart Trophy before, but his game keeps evolving, and defensively, he's become so good the past few years. He's killing penalties now. He's killing penalties, and, and it's funny, too. Like, I mean, that's so dangerous if you're the other team because it's like, yeah, you're concentrating on scoring, but you also yeah. have to be aware, much like, you know, like Mitch Marner as well, uh, killing penalties, but you've got to be aware that there's a guy that will flip it the other way if you make a mistake at your own blue line. So, you know, he's a guy that is great when it comes to uh, takeaways. Mm. Um, and, you know, he's not, he's not like a, a physical big man, but he uses his size in different ways. He uses his reach, and he uses his smarts on the defensive side of the puck, and that converts into offense. So I would say on a whole, yeah, this is probably the best Austin Matthews we've seen yet because his game is so complete and he's still getting hat tricks. Yeah, and they need him to because you mentioned Samsonov didn't have a great game against the Lightning. As good as the Leafs' offense has been, their defense has been just atrocious. Yeah. Uh, the goaltending, if it's not Wall, it hasn't been great. Mm. Um, so yeah, they, they need him to do that. So listen, uh, we're gonna go to a commercial break. After the break, we've got more goalie talk with the Carolina Hurricanes and what they do now that they don't have Freddie Anderson. Mm-hmm. We'll catch you right after the break. Welcome back to the Hockey News pregame show. I'm Ryan Kennedy. This is Michael Trakos. And, Mike, we were talking about goaltending last segment. We're going to continue on that theme because, man, it just seems to really matter in the NHL, doesn't it? And it seems like no one's getting goaltending this year, aside from maybe Vancouver and a couple other teams. Yeah, exactly. So, Carolina... Coming into this season, we thought the Hurricanes would be the Stanley Cup favorites. They were actually our choice uh, in yearbook. It hasn't been great so far. They've been very up and down. And now, 
Frederick Anderson has a, uh, a blood clot issue, which obviously needs to be taken care of. Very serious matter. Mm -hmm. Something we saw with Steven Stamkos uh, and a Chris few years Kreider. ago. Chris Kreider as well. Yeah. What does this mean for the Hurricanes, especially in the short term? Because they, they haven't really gotten good goaltending from anybody, but at least Anderson was winning games. Yep in the process. Yeah, it shouldn't have mattered, to be honest, Ryan, because heading into the season, I think the feeling was that, you know, Carolina had a three-headed monster in net, um, Antiranta, Anderson, as well as Peter Kochetkov. And if you talk to people in Carolina, they would have said to you, by the end of the season, we're going to be talking about Kochetkov as the number one and the guy that's probably going to start uh, game one of the playoffs. So theoretically, um, all this means is we're going to see the young kid uh, come up a little earlier, mm. but like you said, Ranta hasn't been good. Uh, Kucheshkov hasn't been at that stage where you're saying, okay, let's just give him the net. Right. Uh, hopefully that changes if you're a Carolina Hurricanes fan. Uh, the thing I'll say about them is this isn't the Edmonton Oilers. Like when you look at Carolina's defense, I think a lot of people would say it's either the best defense in the NHL or it's very close to being a top three defense. Mm -hmm. And again, um, the same problems in net where you had too many bodies. On defense, you have probably seven NHL defensemen um, or caliber defensemen, and you're saying, okay, well, do they have to make a move to uh, get some ice time for everyone? And mm -hmm. obviously, Brett Pesce being injured didn't help, but you know, a healthy blue line shouldn't, you know, should make this a little bit more manageable. Yeah, and you know, speaking of the defense, you know, Anthony D'Angelo, uh, you know, there have been some headlines about him. Where I thought <laughs> there's always headlines about D'Angelo. Indeed, indeed. I kind of assumed when they brought him back that they would reunite him with Jacob Slavin because the mm. two of them played so well together. But Slavin's playing on kind of a super top pairing with Brent Burns. Uh, D'Angelo has been on the third pairing with Dmitry Orlov, and it it has not worked. Uh, I think one of them's minus seven, the other's minus eight. I also do wonder, though, once Brett Pesci comes back, it feels like a Pesci-Orloff tandem would make a lot more sense since Pesci is so good defensively. Yeah, I, like I said, something has to give um, on that blue line. And, you know, I think D'Angelo's been brought up in rumors not so much because his play hasn't been up to standard, mm. but because he's on a one-year contract worth, I think, like $1.75 Right. So it's an easy body to move. Yeah. Um, I don't think you're going to move him for a defenseman, but maybe a little added extra scoring. Uh, we know as, as much as there is a need for goaltending around the NHL, there's probably even a greater need for NHL defensemen. So, you know... Obviously, D'Angelo's strong suit is not the defensive game. It is right. offensively. Um, but, like, I, I don't know. There's a lot of teams that probably could use a right-shot defenseman who could play on your first or second unit power play. Yeah, and, and that is true. I mean, in terms of power play, he's excellent. And you do get that, uh, that offensive component with him. It, it will be interesting to see what they do because... I mean, they, they are contenders. And yeah, did that change your mind at all about Carolina losing Freddie Anderson? Because here's a guy who's, let's face it, he's been injured almost every single year with something. That's the thing is, like, I, I like Carolina despite their goaltending, and I love Kachetkov, but he's off to a rough start in the NHL. You know, when he has played this year in the NHL, it, it's been tough. And granted, one of those games was Colorado. I mean, it's a very good team. He played Tampa. Yeah. They got shooters. Um, but, I mean, ideally... You want him to get enough reps that if he had to be your guy in the playoffs, he could be. And I know that's a big step because if you're Carolina, 
you're looking at this roster and saying, like, we are a win-now team. You know, we should be contending for the Stanley Cup. Do you really want to be going with your least experienced goaltender? For me, as long as Kachekov's playing well, I think he has the most upside. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly in terms of health, he's, he's going to be the most reliable of the three. But I've always worried about Anderson in the playoffs. You know, he, he's tended to be the second-best goaltender in a series too many times, going back to his time in Toronto especially. Obviously, yeah. So for me, it's like, could, I mean, maybe Kachekov could be your Aiden Hill. Maybe he could be your Jordan Binnington. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy who has the size, you know, has the pedigree, has played some big games before. I mean, you have to remember, Kachekov made his name at the World Juniors um, for Russia, and he had been undrafted the year prior. So there's something there, but you, d- you certainly have to be careful if you're Carolina because you can't be blowing your window. No, but at the same time, you look at the Metro, and it's not like we're talking about the best goalies in the league are going to be facing Carolina in the first round. Like, obviously, you got the Islanders. and we Yeah, know if you get Sorokin, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, so, well, the Islanders are just going to play play for a one nothing win or a 2-1 win, yeah. basically. But, you know, the Rangers, like... Well, Shesterkin. Shesterkin today? Or Shesterkin two years ago? I'm saying Shesterkin on reputation. Okay. Yeah. What did the Devils have? That's a, that's a good point. Like, it's just, it, it is kind of a mess these days in terms of goaltending. I don't mm. think we're seeing, like, the early 2000s or even mid-2000s where we had a lot of guys, legit number one goaltenders. Mm. You're scared to death of them every time you face them. Aside from maybe a Vasilevsky, like you said, Shesterkin when he's at the top of his game, yeah. an Odinger. Yes. I don't know how many teams have that legit number one goaltender um, where you're saying, okay, you can win. Um, Colorado won with Darcy Kemper. Yep. Uh, Vegas won with their, what, three or four-headed monster. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, the blueprint is changing right now. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, one goaltender who seems to be on the rebound is Jordan Bennington in St. Louis, putting up some of the best uh, goals saves above expected in mm-hmm. the NHL right now. He's 11th. Uh, but let, I wanted to talk about the Blues for a minute because this is a team that... You know, they certainly have taken a step back from uh, that, that Stanley Cup run that they had. They dealt some guys last year, but they're hanging in. They've won two in a row. And I'm kind of curious what you think of this Blues team, where they're certainly older. Mm-hmm. Braden Shen uh, is their captain. But they do have Jordan Cairo. They do have Robert Thomas, who's sort of the next generation for them. Guys that are already leading the pack in terms of offense. Um, but could they be one of those sneaky teams that you don't want to play in the playoffs? Yes and no. If I, they I, get there. I, I, I was going to say, I don't, <laughs> I don't think they're a playoff team for me. Mm. Um, that's a tough division. Like, are they better than Dallas? No. no. Are they better than Colorado? No. Basically, it's going to come down to... Uh, probably either the third spot in the central where they're going to be battling with, you know, maybe Minnesota. I expect them to be in the mix uh, later on and maybe a Winnipeg. Uh, But St. Louis is kind of an interesting case because, you know, when they lose Tarasenko and obviously they lost Petrangelo a couple years ago as well as Ryan O'Reilly, you would think that this is a a team primed for a rebuild. Mm -hmm. And you look at the roster, and I don't know how many 30-year-olds they have, but it's probably, you know, along with Pittsburgh, they're probably topping the list in terms of, Guys who are, you know, you know, maybe not past their prime, but at least not going into their prime. Yeah. They're probably exiting it. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what to make of the Blues. I imagine they're probably going to be a team that's fighting for a wild card spot in the final weeks of the season. But do they scare me in the playoffs? Not really. Um, I, I just, 
I don't see that game-changing firepower offensively. If you look at who's scoring right now, mm. it's basically they're getting scoring from by committee. That's usually not a, a, a great mix for a Stanley Cup winner or a team that's going to go deep in the playoffs. Yeah, fair enough. All right, well, we're going to continue to go deep on the NHL after the break, so stick with us. Welcome back to the Hockey News pregame show. Ryan, let's talk about the Anaheim Ducks who, you know, let's face it, I don't think there were many expecting uh, this team to be in a playoff mix uh, one month into the season. Uh, but Greg Cronin, the new head coach there, um, is doing a fantastic job. Have you changed your you know, opinion as to where the Ducks might finish this year? I have. Uh, I thought this was going to be another year where their young guys would grow, they would get mm-hmm. some good experience, Cronin would come in, kind of establish his culture. They wouldn't be a playoff team, but that was fine. But now, you know, the red hot right now, I think Cronin has already proven to this room what he brings to the table. And, you know, he's got some old school to him, but the players are sort of seeing that respect. I know, you know, like Trevor Trevor Zegras, for example, you know, got benched early in the season and was like, okay, I get it. You know, I got to be better. I understand. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I know Cronin got fined. Uh, already this season for yelling at the refs, but he was defending his players. He was standing up for his guys. Players love that. So you've got a guy that maybe he's got kind of those like John Tortorella vibes where it's like, I'm old school, but I'm here for you guys. And, and that's really kind of the, the best case scenario for a coach like that these days, right? And the player I really want to talk about that uh, has been the most pleasant surprise is Pavel Minchikov, yep. the rookie defenseman, getting some Calder love early on. Uh, eight points in 11 games. Uh, that's the best amongst any Ducks defender. And what's interesting to me is that coming into this year, Anaheim had a, a ton of great prospects, a lot of them either turning pro or trying to you know, seize an NHL job. Mm-hmm. And then you also had the return of Jamie Drysdale from injury. Now, unfortunately, Drysdale got hurt again. He's only played two games. But then you had Olin Zellweger, you had Jackson Lacombe, you had Minchikoff, uh, even Tristan Luneau. Well, McTavish up front, but I'm just talking... Oh, def- you're just talking about the back end. I'm just talking defensemen. Yeah, yeah, okay. So Minchikoff has been the guy. You know, as Zellweger got sent down, and that'll be great experience for him uh, with AHL San Diego. But Minchikoff, not only is he doing it in his own end, but obviously he's getting some great results... Uh, offensively, seven of his eight points have been even strength. So good for him for seizing that opportunity and really kind of, you know, putting, a, putting his stamp early on this roster and showing that he can be trusted at both ends of the ice. Having said that, he's only playing 10 minutes a game right now. That's crazy. Yeah. No, it, it, you know, the Calder Trophy race is going to be wide open, I think, all year. Um, yeah. Obviously, Bedard's there, Fantilli's there. Um, I don't know if we're going to see Leo Carlson with the ice time and the games played. Yeah. He's going to be there, but it, it should be a fascinating kind of race. I think it's going to be one of the more competitive trophy races. And, yeah, I'm kind of with you on Anaheim. What, regardless of what happens this year, mm-hmm. I think it's safe to say that when you're talking about all the players you mentioned, including Mason McTavish, Leo Carlson, uh, Zegras, who hasn't kind of caught fire yet, that is an exciting team. And yeah. it's going to be a team you know, that we're going to be talking about, maybe not this year, for the whole year, but maybe next year or the year after. 
Um, such a great nucleus, and it's kind of funny. Like usually when you've got a rebuilding team with a lot of young guys, you also have that veteran presence. Aside from Alexander Kalorn and Radko Gudas, there's not a whole lot of veterans there who are like over the age of 30 who these kids are kind of learning from. So it's really kind of you know thrust into the fire for these guys. For sure, and it'll be interesting to see you know in the sort of short term, middle term, like what they do with a guy like Adam Henrique, a veteran, uh, mm -hmm. you know, when his contract comes up. I will say there was dust on my laptop. So Minchikov was actually playing 19-11, not 10-11. Not I was like, that seems really low. How Probably makes more points? sense, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I agree. I think Anaheim is one of the most like interesting teams, uh, not only now, but in the next couple of years, because you know, what can Leo Carlson become? Like, is he that number one center mm -hmm. that they want? Because they already have Trevor Zegras, who is obviously an incredible talent as well, and Mason McTavish, who is leading them in scoring. So they've got guys at every position. Now it's just about putting it all together. And you're right, you know, having enough connective tissue where you know, the young guys have some, some guys to lean on. I think the Radko Gudas contract and the length of it obviously played into that. So yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm, I'm very excited to see what happens in Anaheim the next couple of years. Awesome. Okay, up next we got our upper deck young gun of the week, Ryan. And Luke Hughes is the person or the player that we're going to be focusing on today. Um, I can't say enough things about the Hughes family these days. Obviously Jack <laughs> is, well, he's sidelined right now, but uh, before that was leading the Hart Trophy race, mm -hmm. uh, arguably. Uh, Quinn Hughes is probably our favorite for the Norris. Yeah. And Luke Hughes, one goal, seven points in 11 games. Yeah, and again, this is a player that is coming onto a very good Devils team, so they don't, they don't need him to be you know, a huge minute muncher, but he is playing almost 20 minutes a game. And it's the skating, it's that offensive game that he brings. It's, it's just so now, mm -hmm. right? It's like you want that mobility, you, you want the Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr type of guy. And what's the most intriguing about Luke is he's the biggest of all three brothers. I mean, he comes right. in at six foot two, he's only gonna get stronger as time goes on. So great start for him. Uh, I'm sure he'll get some Calder love too. And uh, yeah, it'll be really fun to see what he can do throughout the season because, I mean, expectations are high in New Jersey. All right, after the break, we've got our upper deck box break with in-studio guest Michael DiStefano. Catch us after the break. Welcome back to the Hockey News pregame show. We are joined now by our Collectibles team site editor, Michael DiStefano. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited about it. Indeed. So we have a very special segment right now. Upper Deck has uh, given us a box of Series 1, the brand new uh, Collectibles, and we're going to break them open, and you are going to tell us what we should look <laughs> for and if we find anything awesome. Perfect. Uh, just kind of start opening these now. Is that what we're going to do? Yeah, here? let's All do right, it. Cool. Yeah, let's just right, start yeah. kind of digging into them. So it's interesting because this year Upper Deck completely reconfigured the entire thing. So there's used to be 24 packs with eight cards in it, and you were expected to get like one hit per pack. Now, as you can tell, less packs. There's only 12, but there's three hits in each pack. So it's a little more fun, I find. Like when I was opening my boxes, you, you get three cool cards in each pack as opposed yep. to just right. one. Um, and they also added a whole bunch of new features. Like there's gold one-of-ones and there's outburst cards and whatnot. 
But the really big card that everyone's chasing is this Connor Bedard Easter egg that they put in there. Right, right. And at first it was going for like a thousand bucks. It's since cooled off a little bit and it's going still for like 500. But it's the first card that Connor Bedard is wearing a Blackhawks jersey. Right. So a lot of people want it. It's a very collectible card. So you'll get to a point where you'll notice that you're getting to the hits. The cards do look a little different. So I've got three hits here, uh, none of which are too good. Teacher's Pet. Thomas Hurdle, and then Amir Heiskanen. What do you guys got? Anything listen, cool? Listen, listen. I got a Sid Crosby. You do have a Sidney Crosby. Nice. You could probably get about a dime for that one. Is that right? Base, <laughs> card, base cards, maybe a quarter. Maybe okay. a quarter if someone really Kyle wants Connor it. Special edition. Not bad, Which not bad. Fancy. Again, about a quarter. Uh, Owen Beck, debut dates. Oh, so you got a young gun. So this is what the big chase is for mm. the Series 1, the one that you're holding your hand here. Oh, okay. So you got a Wyatt Kaiser Young Guns. That's what everyone's chasing in this set. It's not a particularly strong Young Guns class. Like, Matthew Nyes is the cream of the crop. Um, but this is pretty much what everyone's going to be looking for here are these Young Guns cards. So if you find one of those, that's exactly what you're looking for. So I've got Stat Box Fillers Ovechkin. Not bad. Always love to get an Ovechkin. Connor McDavid Honor Roll. Everyone loves the McDavid. Yeah. And then this one's kind of interesting. It feels different. A UD Canvas Ilya Sorokin. It feels almost like an older So it's like Canvas. Card. It's like Canvas, right? So they call it the UD Canvas. There a little canvas go. card there of Ilya Sorokin, who, by the way, I mean, Ilya Sorokin's so underrated. I don't understand. This guy doesn't get enough notoriety in the league. I'll say That's that. That's true. He does play on a pretty boring team. That's, yeah. No, no offense. Yeah, no offense. No offense. No yeah. offense. They're but, boring uh, because they have one of the best goalies in the league. Sure. So they can play that style, <laughs> and they can be true. successful. Well, Connor McDavid, special edition. Oh, wow. Love to see that. Yeah. Love to see any McDavid uh, hit is good to see, obviously. Debut dates, Vincent DeHarnay. Oh, I got a Young Guns of Sean Farrell of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Had a pretty solid collegiate career. See if he can do anything with uh, with the Habs. But So those Young Guns are exactly what you're looking to find here. Okay, here. Here's a guy. Boom. So, oh. Ooh, Star Search die cut. And the fact that, okay, so the Carolina Hurricanes obviously have some trouble in net right now. Mm -hmm. And he's probably going to get... Some playing time. Is yeah. that going to mm -hmm. increase his value? Uh, it, it probably would. So Kachekov came out in last year's set, and at one point, when he first came up into the league, his cards were skyrocketing. They are like 50 bucks a pop when they first came out. And then he got sent back to the minors, and then he kind of didn't really do too well when he got called back up. But I would imagine with the news to Freddie Anderson, he's going to get an opportunity. And that's a die cut, too, Star Search. So you can tell it's different. How yeah, it's, so why is it's it cut. not... Uh... So it's cut differently. They call it a die cut. So it's short printed. I believe, if I recall correctly, these are one in every like 240 packs. So oh, this, wow. this is a pretty rare card to grab. Um, so it's a red Star Search. It's a nice one. So that's a good card. So I got a couple here. Uh, Jake Sanderson Dazzlers. Yeah. That looks kind of fun. Maddie Beneers Rookie Retrospective. Looks like they've done some uh, interesting things on that one. Mm-hmm. And then Jack Eichel Superstar. I think that's the other. Superstar on a roll. Jack Eichel. Another guy who doesn't get enough hobby love. I will say, just looking through even like the base cards, I, I enjoy how many uh, like throwback jerseys yeah. They put guys in. I got Leas Petterson here in the nice Ooh. Pavel Bure era. Love I've definitely jersey. seen some they North don't lose. Star era. They don't lose in that skate jersey. They just they don't lose. <laughs> they wore it last night against Edmonton. And what happened? There you go. A victory. Exactly. An absolute victory. But I think they're legitimately like 16-0 or something like that in that jersey. It's insane. 
this is one of the new inserts, 200 by 85. I'm not sure why they have a goalie in that I, one because they don't play a full 200 by 85. <laughs> but so I got a Svechnikov of the same series. Yeah. Nice. So you got a Svech and I got Vasilevsky. So we're sitting there with a couple Perfect. of Europeans. <laughs> Um, and then I got a superstar honor roll, Nazem Kadri. Not bad. In mm. a UD, or here's the canvas one. Yeah, another UD about. canvas. Oh, uh, I got TJ a Jacob Oshie. Peltier Young Guns. There you go. That's a not bad one to get either. Nice little Jacob Peltier. Hopefully he can get healthy for Calgary. They, uh, they could use a little bit of offense right now. You yes. might give it to him. So here's another one of those parallels. This is a UD canvas Young Guns, the canvas parallels. These ones are short printed. You get one out of every two boxers or so. Okay. So we got lucky. And really Greg, who before the injury was obviously playing exceptionally well. Hopefully he can come back and continue to play that way for Ottawa. But this is a card that I think was rising in the last couple of weeks as, when it first came out because mm -hmm. Greg having to fill in for Pinto and then obviously Norris when he was injured was thrusted into a bigger role and he's you know one of the better ones to get now I would say mm. in series one so not a bad canvas to pull. Nathan McKinnon star zone. Oh wow. I like those cards. Those That's are, a nice looking It's card. a new yeah. insert. Does it remind you of like the 90s? In it a totally way? does. Like the coloring there like yeah. I, I just really like it's kind of metallic like mm -hmm. in a way it's got a little shine to it. I, I love love that insert. It's a new set this year that they added. But you always love pulling the big guys. Like anytime you see a McDavid, a Crosby, or obviously yep. a McKinnon, you love to see it. All right, so I got a Cole Caulfield Star Surge. Beautiful. Mm. You know, that's a nice looking card. I like the the silver. Yeah, yeah. And teacher's pet, uh, Jonathan Huberto. Oh, got a, another Young Guns there. You get the hot Young Guns set. So he's got an A plus. But what, what is this grade these days, guys? In face in face off <laughs> wins, Jonathan <laughs> Huberto A plus in face off wins. <laughs> How many face offs? Well, does, since when does he take face offs on the win? <laughs> well, the one that he took in his career, I think he won. There, there you, go. you go. There you go. So a hundred percent. I could see an A plus. Now this right? is a very fetching okay. cider. So what these are the new here? inserts that they added to the set. This is the outburst silvers. So there's one in every box. They've got outburst silvers. They've got reds. They've got one of one gold cards as well, which I have not yet been able to pull. But there's one of these and more cider. Pretty good one to get, right? Like he's a solid young up and coming yeah, player. Definitely. Plays for a good market. Like yeah. I, I, I think these are really cool though. They got like some shine to them. Yeah. So when he does win his first. Norris, because he's probably going to win a Norris eventually. I would one potentially. Of these, one of these yeah. years, Kale is going to get hurt. Right. And uh, right. when Cider wins, well, Quinn Hughes, may I say. Yeah, well, what would that do for his value? Like, it would definitely increase the value. So the, it's, it's almost like the stock market. When the player's performing, those values are going to improve. So, like, Ma Maureen Cider, if he does end up winning one, I mean, these cards that are short printed like this are, are definitely going to go up in value. More so the rookie cards, I would say, gain the mm -hmm. most value, or short printed ones that are, you know, number due 99 or 50 or have autographs. Or something like that, but it definitely will will increase his values. Yeah. Now there is a very significant card and collectible show happening this weekend in Toronto. Um, what can you tell us about just the importance of these uh, these shows in terms of like if you're if you want to sell your cards, if you even just want to see what they're worth, because it is. 
a pretty big industry. Yeah, like this is the second largest show in North America next to the National, which happens every year, Toronto. But it's the largest hockey card show. So if you are a yeah. fan of hockey cards and collectibles of any kind, this is the place you want to be. And yeah, it's taking place this weekend in, in Mississauga here in Toronto. And I think it's great because you can go, and as you mentioned, you can buy some cards and you see these ones, you can go buy whatever you want. Uh, but you can, it's also a good place to trade and sell your cards. And if you're not sure you know, what your cards are worth, you can always ask. You can go up on eBay, look up your sold listings and kind of know the values and prices of what you're trying to sell. You don't just want to walk up and be like, give me whatever you want for this <laughs> Carey Price Young Guns. Because yeah, somebody yeah. will say, I'll give you 20 bucks and they'll say, okay, sure, not knowing the value. Little did you know, that's like a $250, $300 card that you just gave oh, wow. away for 20 bucks. So right. know what you're doing uh, when you are going there and, and, and to sell your stuff. Most people aren't like that, but you never know sometimes when it comes to money. Um, mm-hmm. But it is a, a terrific place for you know all hockey enthusiasts, just sports enthusiasts as a whole. Uh, and, and it's you know it's like Christmas. It's, it's like Disneyland for you know hockey card collectors, I like nice. to call it. It's a lot right of fun. On, right on. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Michael, thanks so much for joining this. Thank and you. Joining us here. And we will be back after the break with Rapid Fire. Welcome back to the Hockey News pregame show. Ryan, you know what time that is, right? It's rapid fire time. My favorite time of the show. All right, you ready? Yes, let's do it. Okay, has the first month of the season changed your opinion on who are the Stanley Cup favorites? A little bit, yeah, because I thought Boston would take a big step back this year Mm -hmm. uh, with no Bergeron, no Krejci, but Matthew Poitras has obviously helped their depth down the middle. And they're red hot once again. And then you look at that team and you say, well, they've got the goaltending. They've got defense. They've got offense. Mm-hmm. They've got Brad Marchand as their captain doing a great job. So, yeah, I'm going to put them in the mix now. You know who else I'm putting in the mix? The Vancouver Canucks. Nice. Basically for the same reasons you said. They got the goaltending, yeah. Thatcher Demko. They got the number one defenseman, Quinn Hughes, and more than enough offense, whether it's Pedersen, whether Miller. it's Besser, whether it's Miller. Yeah. Uh, everything's cooking for them. On the flip side, who's kind of – Exited the conversation for you. Well, the Edmonton Oilers would okay. be the most obvious. They're no longer a Stanley Cup favorite. Based for, on what you've seen. Well, I'm a little worried that you know they're not going to make the playoffs at this point. And I'm, I'm sure. I mean, they do have time to recover. But structurally, just like this is not the type of team that wins in the playoffs. Like goaltending is obviously a black hole right now. Mm-hmm. But the defense has been really bad as well. And it only gets harder to score in the playoffs, and the types of goals you get tend to be those, like, greasier goals. As constructed right now, Edmonton is nowhere near any of that. I'm kind of feeling the same way about the Toronto Maple Leafs. I I I can see that. They're a playoff team, 100%. Yeah. But those same concerns I had a year ago with the Leafs where the defense wasn't up to snuff, Mm -hmm. and... Can they win a Stanley Cup with Ilya Samsonov? Well, they cannot win a Stanley Cup with Ilya Samsonov. They might win one with Joseph Wall, and that's why I'm not taking them out completely, but Mm. I'm probably downgrading them a couple spots. I will also say really quickly that when I look at just, like, how the Leafs react to things, and, like, you know, there was the whole Brad Marchand gate last week, but, like, when you talk to the Bruins, and I I spoke to Marchand for the magazine last week, you get the sense of just how high the standard is, how good the culture is in Boston. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't get that sense from the Leafs right now. Gotcha. Uh, Brady Kachuk of the Ottawa Senators lashed out at fans over being booed the other night. If you're Ottawa, are you worried about a potential Jack Eichel situation brewing where this guy is just getting frustrated of year after year of not making the playoffs? 
I'm not worried yet. And I think with Brady Kachuk, I, I think the fans were more so booing DJ Smith, their coach, and Kachuk was backing up his coach. So in like a roundabout way, this is like a good thing for Senators fans mm-hmm. because you have a young captain in Kachuk who will go to bat for not only his team, but his coach. And sure. we know Brady Kachuk is a massive competitor. So I'm not worried yet. I think it would take a couple more years of Ottawa flopping for there to be any real concern. It's been, I think, six years uh, where he hasn't made the playoffs. The Senators. Yeah. Brady Kachuk. Mm, uh, fair enough. Yeah. It's been that long. Wow. 18-19, he comes into the league, and uh, really the closest he's gotten is going to Calgary and watching his brother play. Very true. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, I mean, we saw the attention that Matthew Kachuk got last year mm. uh, south of the border. I believe he was on a bunch of uh, U.S. networks. He was on People Magazine, apparently. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, that's got to eat away at Brady. Um, that being said, I, I don't think we're at that Jack Eichel territory yet. I think he likes the young group that he's exactly. there with. Uh, I believe he wants to make it work in Ottawa. And, yeah, for my money, he's one of the better captains in the league. So I agree. Uh, another couple of years, though, and let's revisit this, possibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, who has your early vote for the Jack Adams Award, Ryan? You know what? I'm going to go with Greg Cronin. Wow. Yeah. And, okay, like, it's surprising, to be honest. Ah, uh, yeah, I know. But, you know, you look at, like, the Jack Adams Award, and unfortunately, it does kind of go to, like, the most surprising coach. Uh, but if, <laughs> if, it, Well, if not Greg Cronin, sorry, my other option would be Rick Tockett. Okay. And maybe that one's a little more obvious because Vancouver is further along. I mean, Anaheim's a good young team that we talked about, and they're a great story right now. Is it sustainable? I don't know. But if Vancouver continues as is, Tockett deserves a lot of the credit because he has started to whip this team into shape and allowed what always looked like a pretty good team on paper to actually become one on the ice. Well, Jim Montgomery won last year, right? For the Boston Bruins? Yes, he did. Uh, no one was expecting the Boston Bruins to be as good as they were. Very true. Uh, I'm going a similar vein. No one expected, I think, the Detroit Red Wings to be as good as they've been so far this Very season. Very true. Derek Lalonde's got my vote. Mm. I think he's doing a tremendous job. Obviously, you got a red-hot Alex DeBrincat uh, helping things out there. Uh, Tony D'Angelo's name has popped up in a trade rumor. Who needs him the most? Ooh, man, that's a tough one because... As we were saying earlier in the podcast, like it's only offense that you're getting with D'Angelo. So mostly offense. Let's not completely just say he's a well awful defensively. Defense. Defensively, it's a it's a struggle. Fair enough. Yeah. So I mean, he's not going to go back to the Rangers. We know that. Um, you know what? I would like to see maybe even like a Winnipeg, like okay. a team that's got like some. I mean, Josh Morrissey. He has that component to his game, a little more rounded out, but never hurts to have another option. Yeah, I don't know. Like, initially, I thought Toronto, because you lose Timothy Lilligren, and you got a right shot replacing a right shot, but you've got John Klingberg, who's basically Tony D'Angelo, or what yeah. Tony D'Angelo has been or should be. Yeah, he's um, non-controversial Anthony D'Angelo. Honestly, if I'm looking at Carolina, he's the last defenseman I probably are. If I'm a, def- if I'm a team that needs a defenseman, I'm not looking at Tony D'Angelo. I'm probably yeah. trying to say, hey, Brett Pesci's coming back. Um, yeah. How much is it going to take for Brett Pesci? <laughs> for Brett Pesci. I would love Brett Pesci on my team. Yeah. yeah. So I, if I'm going to predict it, I say Pesci gets traded before D'Angelo does mm. this year. You'd get a better haul for Pesci, that's for sure. I think so. Yeah. All right. Final question here. Lars Eller received a C and Noah Chari got a D in our Team Sites monthly report card from Pittsburgh. What grade would you give Kyle Dubas, their general manager? I would give Kyle Dubas... 
a B because I believe that he's doing what ownership wants, True. which is to keep this team in its Stanley Cup window and therefore go out and kind of like burn the boats for the future, concentrate on right now. <laughs> yeah. You get Eric Carlson, you know, you bring in Eller and Achari, Ryan Graves was another one. So he did what was asked of him. The fact that it's not working right now, I mean, to me it was obvious, you know, before they even made those moves that it was not gonna be a good year in Pittsburgh, but that was what he was told to do or expected to do, I guess we would say. So I would give him a B. Yeah, right now Pittsburgh is last in the Metro. Granted, we're early on, so they could close a gap um, real easily, but yeah, I, I'm giving them a C. Um, granted, you, wanna, you want Pittsburgh to be competitive, but I think they got too many guys who you're not gonna grow with. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna kinda close that gap where oh, for sure. uh, once Crosby, Malkin, and Latang are gone, you've got no one else. Yeah. Hey, listen, uh, this was the Hockey News pregame show. Thanks again to Upper Neck for our sponsor. and. For Ryan Kennedy, I'm Michael Trakos. We'll see you next week at the rink.